This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. <laughs> uh, we are bringing you episode six this week. It's mm-hmm. six weeks of podcasting. Holy crap. I know. <laughs> Our topic this week um, is gonna be kind of a cool one it's Thelma and Louise yeah baby yeah so we're not like actually doing Thelma and Louise just Thelma and Louise-esque crimes yeah yeah good good description (laughs) that's all I got yeah we thought it was kind of fitting since we just got back from our own little trip yeah we went to uh New Orleans last weekend oh my gosh it was so much fun it was so fun that was like the most laid-back New Orleans trip I've ever had in my life Yes, had a good time. We did. We oh did gosh. a lot. We but it wasn't too jam packed with stuff. So we hit a couple of uh, good spots, good sites. Yeah, that we had planned on seeing. Found an awesome little hoodoo shop right around the corner from our fabulous hotel. Yes, it's uh called House of Hoodoo. Yeah, it's so nice, so nice. It's a hoodoo shop and apothecary and. They weren't just throwing that apothecary word around. No. If y'all saw our pictures on uh, social media, they had herbs and oils and all this stuff, like everything to everything like... Everything you could ever need. Yes. Everything to mix their stuff up with and just these beautiful jars just lined around the whole shop. It was it was wonderful. It was a great experience. Ooh. Did I tell you that it, I did the oil on me and Asher? And... Oh my gosh. It smells... So good. So, so good. <laughs> like, my whole house smelled. It was for uh, health, happiness, peace, and something else. Is it working? It, on me, it is. <laughs> I think. <laughs> do you feel happy Wait, and peaceful? I do. I do feel happy and peaceful. Have not wanted to kill my kid. Well, that's always good. <laughs> Maybe I should have got some. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's doing something. So, yeah, it's a great little shop, though, if you're ever in the area, like they'll do um, things uh, specified for you. Um, They'll do uh, they'll mix up oils and uh, bath soaks and all different types of things like formulated for you. And they'll do like private consultations. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What else did we get to do? The Oddities and Curiosities Expo. The whole reason we went. Yes. And that was fabulous. Oh, my gosh. There were artists there, and there was all kinds of, like, serial killer paraphernalia there. and Dead stuff. Um, a lot dead, of dead stuff. Dead things in glass jars. I could have done without a little bit snakes, of that. Yeah. Frogs. Um, <laughs> they had um, interesting taxidermies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, jewelry and just photography. It was amazing. There were so many creative people there. It was great. Yeah, it was. That was really cool. And then let's we see. We hit up the French Quarter. Yeah. You got to do hot. that. It was, it was so hot. It was it was too hot for all that nonsense. But we did it. Yeah. We did it. We went shopping. A hand grenade and a hurricane later and we survived. Yep. Um. Oh, we visited the Museum of Death while we were there. Oh, my gosh. All the Y'all. serial killer letters. It made me so sad we couldn't take pictures in there. 
Oh, I know. But it was it was really cool. They had yeah a whole like Amanda said a whole serial killer section uh, with letters and uh, pieces of clothing and paintings, arts and crafts from people you know serial killers that were in prison. Um, uh, the crime scene photographs. There were crime scene photos, uh, like the actual detailed graphic. Because apparently, Good before God. the seventies, people did not care how graphic their newspaper was. And that kind of stuff was published in newspapers. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And then they had um, a little section about um, autopsies and the history of autopsies and embalming and, and all that, which was really cool. And they had a cults section. Yeah. They had a cannibalism section. Yeah. there. I mean, it was interesting. There was some, there was some neat shit in there. Yeah, there was. We also got to visit, we did some cemetery tours. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. So we got to visit several. It was so beautiful. Uh, several, five, five different cemeteries. We grazed over a couple I of them. He, it was yeah. a little misleading because we thought we were going to get to go into all of them, but we weren't able to, but we were able to visit one of the biggest, oldest cemeteries in New Orleans. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was amazing. He uh, really knew his shit. Thorn. 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 Our tour guide was named Thorn. It was great. Um, and I guess I guess that's about it. We oh, we did um sidle by um a landmark down there and we'll reveal that to y'all later because <laughs> we're gonna have a whole episode on it. It it needs all the attention. Yes, it does. So um you'll It'll be a surprise. You'll get that tidbit later. Yeah. Oh, it's hump day. Hump, hump day. day. Whoop. <laughs> what well, um, well, we got tonight, Miss Brittany? <laughs> okay, so um, in a nutshell, <laughs> today has been a really rough day. Today was very hard for Britt. Oh it was God. a difficult mom day. And if anybody else has ever had experience with a three-year-old little boy with way too much energy, who is super independent and defiant, then you know exactly what I did today. So, with that being mm. said, I made a pit stop at the grocery store on the way here. <laughs> I went to um, our local our local Brookshire's. I know um, everybody from Louisiana and Texas is going to know what I'm talking about, but it's just like um, a chain grocery store that we have down here. But there's one. Okay, I'm going to have to tell you all the whole story. Yeah, you might as well. In this little area of town that I live in, there are two Brookshire's grocery stores. <laughs> they are lovingly known in my household, at least, and I'm sure several others. As Mine get, as well. Yeah. As Ghetto Brookshire's <laughs> and Bougie Brookshire's. <laughs> ghetto Brookshire's is the closest to my house. But, you it's know, not, not I don't really want to go there because just... it feels ghetto. <laughs> and then Bougie Brookshire's is just like a three-minute drive further down the road. And they have the coolest stuff. Like, all their prepped food that they have over in their deli. Uh, their bakery... Everything is just so, you think it was in a local bakery like a Dude, Tony. It, it's the Rolls Royce of grocery stores. It's insane. They have a sushi section. Mm, and it's and really it's good. good. <laughs> it's actually good. They have a butcher there that will cut you meat. Mm, I've gotten plenty of steaks from there. And a fabulous wine section. Mm-hmm. So we decided we wanted a sweet treat today. So I sidled over to the dessert wines. Yes, well. And we're trying something new. It's just called uh, New Age Sweet Wine. And it's a white. And Thank it's, you for that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. It's a little fizzy. It I surprised like me when it. I poured it. 
but it's delicious. I'll buy it again. The Uh-oh. bottle is fabulous. That's why I bought it. And then <laughs> yeah. y'all will see pictures of that uh-huh. on Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, look for that. Then I got, I went over to the bakery section and got us some truffles. Mm. So I've got, we got a chocolate truffle, a strawberry something or another, strawberry some kind of cake truffle. It's not cheesecake, but, um, and then a salted caramel truffle. Yeah. They're staring at me. I know. We haven't eaten it yet. Somebody took off with the chocolate one. Yeah. We have, um, <laughs> we have a, uh, an intern today. Mm-hmm. She's upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she took the chocolate truffle. So we can't tell y'all what that's like, but we'll be tasting the other ones later. Oh, she's going to let me try it. <laughs> if I have to hold her down. But thank you to the local Berkshires, yes, local bougie yes. Berkshires for today's hump day treat. <laughs> thank you so much. Cannot wait. Yes. Make sure you pop over to Facebook and Insta so you can see all the pictures that we're talking about today. Yes, you should. Yeah, on Facebook, it's Oddities and Curiosities Podcast. On Insta, it's Oddities and Curiosities Pod. Uh, We're on Twitter, too, but I don't post the episode photos on there because it's just too much. We're old and Twitter's hard. Ah, I'm still trying. (laughs) It's a whole thing. trying to be patient with Twitter. (laughs) Twitter's a whole thing. We'll get there. There's just so many more people on it. Yeah. So, yeah. I haven't even opened the first Twitter thing. That's all, Amanda. So thank thank Amanda for that. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And, oh, tiny announcement. So we have two new platforms that we're on now. We finally, for goodness sake, made it onto Apple Podcasts. Thank you. (sighs) (laughs) That was... It was a whole thing. Mm. We're not going to get into it. It was a journey. But it was a thing, and now we're there. So y'all can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, and make sure when you do to rate and review us. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, we're on three new ones. iHeart. Pandora. Uh, we're not on Pandora yet. Oh, well, we will. Okay, we will be. We will be on Pandora. We're still pending approval on that Give one. Give us four to six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we are on iHeartRadio now, too. So yeah. that's two new places to find us and another one here in the future. <laughs> um, But I guess we should get right into it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Let me take another sip and then I'm going to hit you with two small cases this week. Ooh, okay. I did have a whole little idea already picked out that I was going to do. And then when I started researching and writing, I totally changed my mind and decided to do these two smaller ones instead. Hey, you know what? We can do that. Yes. It's our podcast. I know. Love it. We get to make the rules. That was my Monica Geller voice. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. So the first one uh, that I'm going to do is Robin Davis and Carol Sissy Saltzman. Sissy. Sissy. <laughs> Bud and Sissy. Ah, I love that you thought about that. <laughs> How can you not? Like, And the stickers on the back Texas of the truck. Texas Bud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Yes. Oh, I can't. <laughs> on July 1st, 2009, Brian Davis, a 39-year-old insurance company sales manager, was found dead at the end of a desolate road just south of Lake Charles, Louisiana, where he lived. Oh, shit. Yeah, so this is an in-state case. Okay, keeping it local. He'd been shot four times. His body was found in a field near his blue Honda Accord. It appeared as if he had been changing a tire. His car was up on a jack, and the lug nuts were removed. The spare tire was on the ground not far away from the vehicle. 
So if you want to go to the notes, I have the first picture. And there's one that says flat tire. Mm-hmm. That's a picture of the scene. So the spare tire's laying on the ground. The car's jacked up. Tools are about. Yeah, I'd say he was definitely changing yes. a tire. Looks like he was changing a tire. All right. Brian's body was discovered by an off-road ATV rider. Two days before his body was discovered, Brian had been out boat shopping with his wife, Robin. When they were done, Brian decided to continue on to Beaumont, Texas, which is only about a 90-minute drive from Lake Charles, Mm -hmm. to look at some more boats. He didn't come home that night. Many people attributed that to the violently bad weather that hit that night. So it was like... Heavy rains and winds and people couldn't see and cars were pulling over and waiting it out on the side of the road. Like, it was really bad weather. So, people just figured he ran into that on the way back home. Okay. After he was gone for 24 hours, Robin filed a missing persons report. Good girl. And then his body was found the following day. Oh, that was quick. I know. Super fast. Brian's shoes were off and his belt was loosened like someone was searching through his pants for something. Many of his belongings were missing from the scene. He was known to carry a gun on him, and it was missing, along with his GPS and laptop. And I'm thinking if he carried a gun on him, it could have been in his waistband or something. So yeah. that could have been why his like clothes were messed with. Good. Yeah, yeah. Probably. But even though this stuff was missing, he was still wearing a valuable ring, which made law enforcement think that it wasn't a robbery gone wrong. Oh. Because of that bad weather I mentioned earlier, much of the forensic evidence was washed away. Investigators racked their brains over the motive. Could it be due to his serial cheating, maybe? God damn. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. See what I, I don't like there? him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Brian and Robin, uh, they were married in 2008 after meeting at work. And I have a picture of them. If you want to look at the notes, it says Robin and Brian Davis. Yeah. Yeah, he don't look... Okay, neither no. one of them look very happy. <laughs> like, she looks all right, but he looks like a complete dick. Yeah. I'm sorry. They just don't look happy. I mean, he just looks miserable. Like, yeah. Here. Yeah, they, they don't <laughs> look happy. It was Brian's third marriage and Robin's second. Wow. Brian had a long history of infidelity. Hmm. The subject of the affairs came up while the police were questioning Robin. Police noted that they felt like she was, quote, stoned face and wasn't really grieving. Now, everyone deals with their grief differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just based on that alone, you can't really say, you know, you, yeah. nobody knows how they would react in that situation. But that was just something that the investigators noticed. I know. They always say that they were acting funny. Yeah. I, well, how would you react? I mean, yeah. you don't know how, what you're... If she were overly emotional, that would be funny, yeah. too. So. Then they'd say something about that. So, okay, continue. Yeah. She was able to provide an alibi, though. Robin said she was out running errands with her best friend, Carol Sissy Saltzman, who actually lived with the couple. Robin then <laughs> brought up the name Fanny Dietz. D-I-E-T-Z. I'm guessing that's Dietz. Works for me. Yeah. Fanny was a co-worker of Brian's with whom he was having an affair. Fanny and her husband, who knew about the affair, were considered persons of interest and brought in for questioning. Also brought in for questioning was Robin's son, Justin, who uh, had a very strained relationship with Brian. Okay. 
All of these suspects were cleared, though, after the police looked over their phone records. <laughs> Detectives then decided to look into the Davises' finances and found some red flags. Brian had a bad video poker habit that caused him to fall behind on child support and the mortgage. God damn it. Uh, fucking gambling. I swear to Gambling and cheating. <laughs> Robin had also recently developed a video poker habit. It, yeah. Okay. So her too. As a matter of fact, instead of attending the post-funeral memorial, she went to play video poker. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't give a fuck. <laughs> right. Her okay. husband died and she doesn't go to the memorial. Okay. She wanted to go play video poker. Everybody agrees in their own way, Brittany. No, that shit is sus. <laughs> Robin did have life insurance policies on Brian, totaling $700,000. Oh, well, that's why she was, went to the video poker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alarm bells began to ring for police when they discovered that Robin had collected an insurance payout when her first husband died in a car accident. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, she's I, starting I to see, look shady. I see it now. I'm seeing it. Things continued to get more and more suspicious as police dug into Robin and Sissy's friendship. Both women were fired from their jobs at an insurance company after Sissy was caught stealing money and Robin failed to turn her in when she knew about it. The incident didn't drive them apart, though. It brought them closer. The two were inseparable. Both women were interviewed by police on July 13th. They were interrogated separately where they were both caught in lies about their whereabouts the day of the murder. Would you get your shit straight? Get your story yes. straight. Get your story straight. My God. But don't make them exactly the same because then that would be too freaking obvious. I know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're sounding a little sus right Shh. now. <laughs> <laughs> they were interrogated separately where they were both caught in lies about their whereabouts the day of the murder. Detectives failed to turn the women against each other. Even so, though, investigators were still able to piece together a timeline, including who was driving which vehicle. So there's multiple vehicles in the household, and so they finally got it straight who was driving what. They theorized that Sissy staged a flat tire and called Brian to help. Oh. Yeah. As he knelt down to fix the flat, he was shot once. Brian then tried to flee and was shot three more times, killing him. Detectives believe both women fired the weapon, linking them both to the murder. So they don't know <laughs> who shot when, but they're certain that both women shot the gun. I must say, for once, that's like some really good police work. Mm -hmm. that they figured all that out, right? Good job. Yeah. Okay. For once and in Louisiana. <laughs> what? <laughs> The one time. The, <laughs> the one, one time. time. <laughs> Five months after Brian's death, Robin and Sissy were indicted. So, if you want to go look at the notes, yes. there's a picture that says Sissy and Robin mugshots. Yeah. That would be their mugshots. Well, hello. Yeah. Actually, she's smiling bigger in this picture than she is in the one with Yeah, because she just killed her husband. Her husband. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Sissy, Carol Saltzman, has got... RBF for days. Uh-huh. Days. Yes, yeah, she's got it strong. Mm-hmm. You go, girl. <laughs> Prosecutors knew it would be a tough case as all the evidence was circumstantial. 
The trial began in April 2012. After four months, on August 26, 2012, a jury convicted Robin, 50, and Sissy, 45, of second-degree murder. They were sentenced to life without parole. Both women continue to maintain their innocence. And apparently, many other people believe they are innocent as well. There is a free Robin and Sissy Facebook page that is still active. Like, something was just posted, like, June 20-something. Okay, are we following that page? No, I'm not trying to free these women. What? They already have 629 followers. They're fine. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> oh it's fine. It's fine. They'll be fine. Yes. But that is that case. I like it. So, besties off to the husband. That's cute. Didn't make away with any money that got caught. Yeah, that's that's a little disappointing, but... Yeah. I don't know. They, they didn't do it right. Obviously. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I feel like there's, I couldn't find a lot of articles. This was kind of a hard one to research because I only found like one or two little articles on both my cases. I want to know more. Yeah. There's more. And oh, I, there's way more. I want to know what it is. I mean, there's a way to do There's something that. a little fishy about the woman living with the couple. I have one of those as well. <laughs> <laughs> something a little fishy with that. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Whatever. It is what it is. Okay, so my next one is a little bit darker. Oh, shit. Okay. I was just about to say, yay, we're keeping it a little bit lighter this week, because last week was super fucking heavy. Oh, this is like, this is a drop in the hat compared to everything I've done before. It's not that dark. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to drink a little bit more then and sit back and have fun. Okay. (laughs) Okay. This is uh, Francine Stepp and Cindy Wynn. Okay. Mark and Dolores Stepp were Navy veterans who relocated from Wisconsin to Stillwater, Oklahoma in 1979. Mark was a technician at a power plant, and Dolores was accounting supervisor at uh, Oklahoma State University. They were devoted to each other and their daughter, Francine. So if you want to go to the notes, there uh, is a picture that says Step Family. Ignore the picture to the right. We'll come to that later. Okay. It's, It's a double picture. But the picture on the left is Dolores and Mark and Francine. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Look at the wide variety of eyeglasses in this picture. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, funny story. I uh, know they were in style. But so, God. you know, the glasses that Dolores is wearing there with the, like, ombre effect uh-huh. happening on the lenses? My mom had some of those. Mom! <laughs> oh, and little side note, just FYI. So, um, if y'all aren't on our Facebook page, you should be because there's funny conversation that happens there. Uh huh. And so, one of our listeners and work friends posted a picture today. Oh. <laughs> when we were talking about a few episodes ago, my um, perm, your, your crimped perm, my crimped perm, and then Bob haircut mishaps. Mm-hmm. And she had the same thing, so she posted a picture. And when I saw that she posted one, I was like. Oh, shit. Now I'm going to have to do one, too. So I called my mom today, and she's on the hunt for a picture. Yes. (laughs) Maybe I need to call her back and say, also, hunt for one of you in them snazzy glasses in the 70s. Um, Yes. Ooh, I should get my mom to find a picture of her with that little uh, squeaky hairdo. Yes. We need to see all these things. Okay. All right. Next time I go to my grandmother's, I'm digging out that photo album. Okay. I know exactly where We're on a new mission now. We're not just going to embarrass ourselves. We're going to embarrass embarrass our mothers as well. 
Love the picture, Jen, by the way. That was yes. fabulous. I laughed out loud. It was fantastic. <laughs> okay. So, um, the step family's lives seem perfect on the outside, but it turns out that the steps were very strict, overbearing parents. Friends of Francine stated that her parents controlled every little aspect of her life down to who she was allowed to be friends with. This never goes well. Mm-mm. Tensions arose even further once Francine became a teenager, of course. Mm-hmm. Because she was forced to stay close to home, she spent most of her time with her neighbor and best friend, Cindy Sue Wynn. So, if you want to go back to the notes real quick, yeah. and you'll see a picture that says Cindy Wynn. This is literally the only picture I could find of Cindy Sue Wynn. It looks like a yearbook picture. Yeah. God, she looks like she's... <laughs> 40. <laughs> there, I know. There's so many things that I could say about Cindy Sue, but I'm just not going to. I'm not going I there. I think it's the hairstyle. Oh, the hair is it's, bad. It's the hair. It's so bad. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not working for you, honey. There are no words. No. Y'all just have to go look. Mm-hmm. That's why we do this. Um, After graduation, Francine enrolled at Oklahoma State University, but dropped out before the end of freshman year. Why? I don't know. This is another thing where I want to know more things. All I know is that she dropped out, but she was still living at home with her parents. Like, she went to college. It didn't work out for her, apparently. Maybe she just was like, no, screw it. It's not for me. Yeah, so she went back home. I don't know. Okay. Just past 6 a.m. on June 8th, 1988, Cindy's mother, Mitzi, was awoken by... Mitzi. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a dog. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Mitzi was awoken by a loud banging on the door. She found Francine crying hysterically and saying that her parents had been murdered. When police arrived on the scene, they entered the home and heard an alarm going off in the master bedroom. They went inside to find the bodies of Mark and Dolores. Mm. Both bodies were naked and had been shot and stabbed. Wow. Yeah. Mark's body was on the bed while Dolores's was on the floor with a large knife still sticking out of her ribcage. They left the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were no signs of forced entry and nothing seemed to be stolen. There were bullets found embedded in the walls and the knife in Dolores's ribs matched the knives in the kitchen. The brutality of the murders suggested that the killer knew the victims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Francine told detectives that she had spent the night at Cindy's new apartment. She said that she had come home early that morning to find the front door open. When she checked the house, she found her parents' bodies and ran to the neighbors. Detectives spoke with Cindy to confirm Francine's alibi. She immediately raised suspicions when she became defensive without reason. Cindy told the police, quote, I'll get an attorney. Fuck it. I'm not playing no more. I'm fed up. I've had a bad day. End quote. Okay, so your best friend's family was murdered, but you've had a bad day. Sit down, Cindy. Sit down. (laughs) Go back inside. But after her hissy fit, she ultimately confirmed Francine's alibi, saying that she had arrived at her apartment around 9 p.m. the previous night. Yeah. Like, what was day? What was all of that about? That's not obvious at all. Right. Not one bit. You couldn't just say, yeah, she came over. Like, I I don't get it. On June 22nd, one of the steps neighbors came forward and told police that they saw Francine's vehicle 
driving near the home in the early morning of the in the early morning hours of the day of the murders. I did not <laughs> that type was, that was, out very well. <laughs> in the, that was another part of the bad day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We've been tired all week. That trip. Oh my god. I okay. Needed, I'm with Cindy. I needed an extra Fuck it. day. I've Fuck had it. a bad day. I've had a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna write words. I'll I'll figure them out later. <laughs> Okay, so to um, reiterate that last statement. (laughs) Okay. The neighbors saw Francine's vehicle driving near the home in the early morning hours of the day of the murders while she was supposed to be at Cindy's house. Investigators then began to question the girl's friends and classmates. A teen named Michael D. Reed, who knew the girls, I don't know if he was a friend or a classmate. I'm assuming classmates since they called him a teen and not a friend. Okay. He informed police that the girls told him that they wanted to kill their parents. He would later testify, quote, Cindy said she would take care of Francine's parents to get even with them, end quote. He also stated that the girls had approached a man by the name of Jackie Philip Myers and offered him money to kill the steps. Police were able to contact Myers and confirm the story, but he said he didn't take the girls seriously. So they did. They w- just walked up to home dude and was like, so if I give you some money, will you kill my parents? Wow. Come on, girls. Get over yourselves. Ugh. Detectives then questioned Cindy again, and she ended up cracking under the pressure. Surprise. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. I've had a bad day. We did it. <laughs> Cindy said that she had serious issues with her parents, just like Francine did. Her parents kicked her out, and she moved in with the steps. For some unknown reason, the relationship soured and they asked Cindy to move out. They then told Francine that she couldn't see Cindy anymore. That is when the two began fantasizing about life without their parents. Originally, they planned for Cindy to kill Francine's parents first, and then Francine would kill Cindy's parents. (laughs) I know. I know. Okay. (laughs) Just take care of all of them. Yeah. One fell swoop. Cindy said Francine was the one who decided to go ahead and take matters into her own hands. Investigators continued assessing the crime scene. When they used luminol, they found two separate sets of footprints in blood on a rug outside the master bedroom. They then brought Francine back in for questioning, and with some encouragement from her grandfather, she came clean. She told investigators, quote, I just wanted to be by myself. I wanted to move away from my parents. They said that if I moved out, they wouldn't help pay for college, end quote. That makes no sense. Wait, she dropped out of college. I guess she wanted to go back. I don't know. But even so, even if she was in school, how is killing them going to help you? Just move out. Yeah, if you're not going to school anyway, then who cares if they're going to pay? I can't even. You know what? I can't even. Whatever. I guess she was just trying to give her grandfather a reason. Uh, They're how old? How old? they're freshman year of college old. Ugh. Yeah. They don't. The 18, 19. <laughs> they don't know shit about fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so when her parents forbid the girls to be friends anymore, that was the final straw for them. Well, if it upset them that much, I'm just going to assume that they were a little bit more than friends. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've I've been told not to see one of my best friends anymore either because all we did was get into trouble, but it didn't, like, make me want to kill my parents. 
Yeah. I haven't been that devastated. I mean, we still saw each other at school. Yeah. It was fine. And, you know, they're adults. Yeah. They're even older than that. Because for me, it was back in high school. So. At 2 a.m. the day of the murder, the girls headed to the steps home. Francine entered with the gun in hand and Cindy at her side. Cindy kicked open the bedroom door and began yelling at the couple. Francine said that the gun just started going off. She remembers there was a knife, but she recalls no other details. So I'm guessing, okay, maybe she flew into a blind rage, whatever, whatever. Okay, that's a possibility. Yeah. Benefit of the doubt on not remembering the details from me on that one. She did say that Cindy didn't take part in the actual murder, just the planning and the cleanup. The girls threw the gun in a local lake and returned to Cindy's apartment. They were going to wait. Okay. (laughs) This part's funny. It's funny. They were going to wait for the police to lose interest in the steps case and then move forward with killing Cindy's parents. (laughs) No. No. What in the actual? No. (laughs) You do them all in one night because if you do them too far apart, you're going to get caught. And uh, like how long were you planning on waiting for them to lose interest? It's going to take a while. It doesn't happen overnight. No. When confronted with Francine's statement, Cindy admitted to being there, but claimed that she fled when the shooting began. But police knew that that was a lie, as the evidence stated otherwise. So if she would have fled when the shooting began, then there was no way for her footprints to be in blood outside. Right. So they knew she would lie. Francine and Cindy were arrested and charged with first-degree murder on July 13th, 1988. So if you go to the notes, that double picture that... We looked at earlier that says the step family. Oh, yeah. That picture on the right is her in prison. Oh. What? That's the same lady? Mm-hmm. That's the little red-headed girl. She growed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can still see it in that schnoz, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cindy Wynn was convicted on charges of being an accessory to murder and soliciting for murder in the first degree. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison and was released in 1999, which that does not feel like enough no. to me, but whatevs. Um, it never is. I know. Francine Stepp pleaded guilty to two counts of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. She is now 51 years old. Oh, so snap. go back to the notes and you'll see one that says Francine Stepp in an orange jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And there she is today. Well, hello. Schnoz still looks the same. Yeah. Like, <laughs> still got the same nose and eyes. Mm-hmm. Definitely hurt. Oh, it's man. Hurt. And she'll be there forever. Yep. Damn woman. I know. Mm-mm. And that's all I got. That's my cases. I liked it. Yeah. These these were fun. Yeah. Okay. I took the easy way out. <laughs> so if you've heard this story, just sit back and get, you know, reacquainted with it. I just... I needed a break this week. I need, I'm just going to sip my done. wine and listen to you tell me so stories. You sip your wine. 30-year-old Joyce Carolyn Stevens was the mousy daughter of a minister. 35-year-old Rose Marie Turford was a nurse and a suburban mom of three boys who drove the kids to baseball practice. The idea that these two robbed their dates at gunpoint and then took to the road has amazed police and floored relatives and friends for years. Like, they they are the last two that you would think that would ever do this. 
Um, the two women met at a private psychiatric hospital in Houston in 1992, where Rose lived with her husband, Brian, a computer sales executive. Carolyn was a part-time psychiatric worker at the hospital. They soon became inseparable. Like, you always saw them together. All the time. It was kind of on a creepy level. Okay. Hold on, hold on. I have a question. Go for it. So, Rose and her husband lived there? Rose and Brian lived in Houston. Oh, okay. I thought you meant, like, lived at the psychiatric hospital. And yeah, I was that like, was probably worded really bad. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> what oh, is wrong okay. with them? I see, I see where you got that. I okay. See. No, no, no. They lived in Houston. Okay. I've had a little bit to drink, so. Yeah. Yeah. Miss, I'm going to pour a whole glass. Okay. Okay. What? Hold on. Hold what? on. You Side deserved note. it. You fucking deserved it. Okay. No, I'm not even going there. Side <laughs> you note. You deserve the whole glass. They make wine glasses that big for a reason. I don't understand. Okay, if this offends anybody, I'm so 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 sorry. I don't understand why when when <laughs> women pour a glass of wine, they just pour they pour like half two a glass. fingers, two fingers. Why? What is the point of that? You're just gonna go right back and pour more. It's like a sip. I don't, don't get it. I'm not here for a wine tasting. No, be a fucking yes, glass. Nobody is judging you. Fill it up. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm off my tangent. Are you all right? I'm ready. Over there? Yes, tell me more things. Okay. <laughs> okay, would you like to see a picture of these bitches? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Show me pictures. Okay. Go to the notes. Rose and Carolyn BFFs is the picture we're looking at. That's kind of a flock of seagulls haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like... <laughs> I don't know because all I see when I look at that is that episode of Friends when Ross and Chandler <laughs> they had their band. Oh my god! Yes, yes. If you were to mesh Ross's and Chandler's haircuts together, that is perfect. It would be Carolyn's haircut. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Rose got quote unquote sexually hung up on carolyn it seems to be the most popular opinion of these two what the fuck ever of course okay this was like back in the early 90s of course they're gonna say any females that are best friends spending too much time spending that much time together yeah whatever anyways rose's hubby walked walked worked out of town during the week in detroit and was hardly ever home he only came home on the weekends he commuted from houston to detroit yep he must have been making bank. He was making something. <laughs> <laughs> There's rumors that he was having affairs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So Rose was fucking sick and tired of it. She was at home with the kids by herself all the time. Um, and actually their marriage wasn't looking all that great. So she easily fell under Carolyn's spell. <laughs> Carolyn even persuaded Rose's husband to build a loft in their home, and he did. So Carolyn moved in. See, okay. see, see. I, I see. Yeah. I see how you did that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I do have a picture of Rose and Brian's house in Houston. Okay. It says Turford Home. It's actually a really nice house. Oh, bougie. It needs some help on the yard. It looks like it's. They been... need to mow their grass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, somebody needs to mow their yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's probably been vacant 
I'm guessing. Yeah. At the time this picture was taken. Holy windows, though. I love it. Uh, yeah, I love it. I would totally live there. Mm-hmm. So here's where it starts making you, go, making you go, like, what the actual fuck? Acting under orders from a mysterious spy named Avery, who no one but Rose's parents believe is real. Carolyn spun out an elaborate tale of, of mental control. The weirdness escalated. Carolyn even went as far as faking wounds inflicted by Avery. Um, this was all to get sympathy from Rose. She, oh yeah, okay, it's not, <laughs> I'm not done. She would randomly bring Rose hangman puzzles to decipher. Uh, one of them even contained demands from Avery to travel to Colorado for what I have no freaking clue. That's just what it said. So, yeah, I don't know. She went to great well, lengths. In January of 95, Avery forced the women to contact a dating service and begin preying on male clients. And Avery whisked them away into the unknown, leaving their families dismayed, authorities deeply frustrated, and tabloid followers panting for more. Sounds like a, like a movie <laughs> ad. They eventually started their own service called Telecompanions. Wow. Um, it's trademarked. It's... <laughs> it's very hard to find, but uh, I found their ad on YouTube. The area, and I'd like to find someone. For this. Hi, my name's Donna. I'm a young professional. 50,000 calls a day. Isn't this where your ad should be? Call Telecompanions. It's a free call, 24 hours a day. 212-265-CALL. And remember, women join free. There is nothing like it anywhere. Make a free call. Don't be alone. It's free to listen to the personal messages 24 hours a day. Telecompanions, dial 212-265-CALL. It's a free call. 212-265-CALL. <laughs> the men were ambushed, handcuffed, assaulted, and robbed by the two women. Police say that the two had a simple method, and they were the best <laughs> that some had ever seen. Oh, well, yeah. We're talking about the two women I just looked at in the picture yes right? yes okay they were they were really good at what they did okay you know most dating agencies require men to pay a membership fee but the women can scan them and respond to their messages for free so rose and carolyn would collect the names and the phone numbers of the men that were interested in them and then after they did a credit check they would arrange meetings in hotel rooms and in their homes okay mm-hmm when the unsuspecting men arrived, the women would flash fake police identification and tell them that they were investigating the abduction of several women who used the service. Either that or Rose would hide while Carolyn, quote unquote, prepped the victims. And uh, Rose would come out with a nine millimeter and rob them at gunpoint. Okay. Now, when I say prepped, I mean like handcuffed, tied them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got that with your air quotes. Yeah, my air quotes. I guess everybody can't see your air quotes. No, they can't. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they got their credit cards and were able to get all of the credit card info, all of their bank information, car keys, cash. One guy even gave them their house keys. Wow. Yeah. The crimes mostly went unreported because men that they were seeing weren't supposed to be there in the first place. Naughty, of course naughty, not. Naughty, naughty boys. So, uh, they were arrested, however, by March in Houston and charged with aggravated robbery and kidnapping with a combined bail of $500,000. Yeah. 
Rosa's parents were going to pay for just her bail. However, Miss Carolyn called Rosa's parents over and over, claiming that Avery was threatening the lives of Rosa's children. Oh my this, gosh. Yeah. She got, she just, she I can't keeps with going. this Avery. She keeps going. This convinced them to pay for her bail as well. Rosa's in laws even put up their own house and restaurant as collateral. I After, can't. Oh, no. I can't. After being released two months later in May, the two just up and vanished. Mm-hmm. They left behind a letter <laughs> claiming that they had been kidnapped by Avery. Rosa's in-laws now face losing both their home and their business because oh, they my just gosh. freaking bolted. The lady's bail bondsman was left with a debt as well. His his, his name was Romeo. Okay. Cl- Clement. Romeo, I believe, does not fit the name. Okay, I'll show you a picture. Okay. No. But anyways, um, so he was losing money from them as well. And in order to fund the search for the crazy bitches and to keep from having to foreclose on the family's properties, he made t-shirts that look like the wanted posters of the girls and sold the t-shirts. Okay. Okay. I have a picture of the t-shirt. All right. It says t-shirt. <laughs> it's... It's a picture of an article with him holding up. That's Romeo. That's that's Romeo. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. I'd buy that t-shirt though. You can't. I searched for the t-shirt everywhere. This was the best picture that I could find. You know, if somebody if anybody like can to, find a t-shirt, I'm if you just can saying. find it, if you can make it, wink wink, we wouldn't be opposed to receiving those as gifts. Extra large. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they may be on the dark web. I don't know, but I really did try to find them. <laughs> like, I need that. I would wear that t-shirt. Every day. All the time. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but people say that the Warner posters just didn't do Rose justice. The bounty hunters and the police officers agree that in the photo, she looks worn and ragged. Not like the knockout redhead. Described by some alleged victims. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The same, same girl. She looked like shit. In the picture I yeah. saw, uh, the she picture was no spring of, chicken. Yeah. Well, I thought she still looked pretty good, too. But apparently, on a regular basis, she looked better. I don't know. No. I don't have <laughs> I don't have any other pictures of her. That's all I can find. It's okay. not cute. Okay. No. Sorry. Oh, you'll see. There, there's some more. So, they took off to Canada on a hellacious crime spree, earning the names from the 1991 movie of the same name. Rosa Selma and Carolyn is Louise, just in case your wills aren't quite putting that info in just yet. <laughs> or if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, I'm giving you your first homework assignment ever. Go see the movie. If you... Who hasn't seen Thelma and Louise? I don't know. I'm just saying if they haven't, they need to go fucking watch it because... Because Brad Pitt. Oh, my God. Huh? <gasps> Because Brad Pitt. Oh my god, it's Brad Pitt's first movie, like his first big movie role. Yeah. Oh, baby. (laughs) And I'm sorry, Susan Sarandon, Queen. Okay. Oh my god, both of them. Yeah. Jesus. What are you doing with your lives if you haven't seen that? Ma'am. So yeah, I have a picture of two of them in the movie. I was going to post like the movie cover, but I really like this picture a whole Uh, lot better. Yes. This movie. Yes. Yeah, this was You magnificent queens. Mm Mm-hmm. In your super hot mom jeans and mm-hmm. tank tops. Mm-hmm. Hey, I would totally mm-hmm. rock uh, Thelma's black shirt she's got. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Super cute. Absolutely. All right. Well, these badass bitches successfully swindled at least 10 men in Texas, Houston, Galveston, and Las Vegas, collecting as much as $250,000. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but in 95, it, it kind of was. That they got from 10 people? Like, yeah. They did good. Just 10 people. All right. They do use. Yeah. I'm impressed. Using wigs and makeup, sometimes posing as nuns or strippers and their <laughs> infamous police attire. They assembled kits for each crime and even wrote scenarios planning each escapade. Um, what? I would like to know what's in these kits and I want one. Where can I get it? I don't know. I don't know. I would like to know. Police actually found evidence that they had intended to kidnap and hold for ransom a half dozen wealthy men in Canada. Turford's native country and Texas, including a recent winner of the Texas lotto. They weren't planning on stopping anytime soon. Like they, they were going obviously they were blondes. They were redheads. They were bald. They were seen so many times and in such glorious, dubious detail that they've become the Elvis of Texas and beyond. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) I'll be like, no, 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 we, no, we got to change that nickname. I do not want to be. Elvis. Why I not? Mean, I get it. I get it. But I mean, can you pick a female? Like, screw it. I'll be Elvis. I'm I mean, down. He is beautiful. He and was the king. I know. I know. He is fabulous. I'll shut up. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> I do love Elvis. I'll just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> just stop. I'm just drinking. Leave me alone. Okay. Houston police officer Alex Hardesty said the robberies were well-planned. They stood out from the pack, but he added they never really hurt anybody. No harm, no foul, right? I mean, they just took their money. They they really didn't hurt anybody. They shouldn't have been doing that anyway. Hey, they were having the time of their fucking life. No, okay? I'm talking about the men. Oh, sorry. I got confused. They shouldn't have been there anyway. No, they shouldn't have. They fucking deserved it. That's their punishment. Karma. They should, they should not be cheating. They should not be talking to strangers. They did all of this to themselves. I agree. I like the way you think. Mm-hmm. So in July, a rental car, a freaking Pontiac, that was reported stolen, turned up in Toronto with a note from a Joyce Stevens. Um, yeah. They combined their names, like their first names, because it was Joyce Carolyn Stevens, I believe. Oh, my goodness. Or was it? I don't know. Anyways, Joyce Stevens apologizing to the rental agency that they sold the car. Sorry. Bye. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) My bad. They were cited in nightclubs, airports, and furniture and appliance stores in London. Yes, I'm talking about Canada. We're we're still in Canada. I did not know there was a London Canada. Canada. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. Because it's where Rose's three children were living with their grandparents. Okay. At the time. Yes, her kids were still around. Okay. So she was close to them. Um, in October, a witness recognized Rose from one of the goddamn t-shirts. Within 24 hours, Rose and Carolyn were captured in Toronto, Canada, and extradited back to Houston. Rose was at her telemarketing job. Yeah. Yeah, she was working as a telemarketer. You know, telecompanions, telemarketing. Let's just- what? I don't know. <laughs> She, she was good at it. What can I say? Uh, all right. And Carolyn was just chilling back at the flat that the two shared there. They didn't seem to care. 
like legit did not seem to care. The girls were laughing and smiling and waving as they were being held in an immigration department department squad car. I have a picture. Okay. <laughs> wow. <It's>, um, <laughs> she looks <laughs> hammered. They do. Uh, they are like, um, yeah, it's not a great picture, but they just, they're like, ha we got arrested. Oh my God. I can't. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they didn't care. Um, a seven page confession that Carolyn dictated in return for a reduced sentence of 10 years revealed all the hows and whys of their escapade. I would love to read that. Can't find it. Is there an Avery explanation in there? <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> There's no telling what that confession says with all of the stories and all of the shit that she did. Kind of a tad bit of a bitch move. A little bit. Like, she was like, hey, I'll give you all this. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and friend girl wasn't able to do that. Right. Well, Rose decided that she wanted to go to trial. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 Mm-mm. No. Don't Mm-mm. do not do that. She she got fucked, basically. Uh, yeah. You want to go on trial for something like that in Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She should have just... But see, she couldn't really do anything because Carolyn had already blown the fucking whistle. So she's the one who got to make a deal first. So, like, really, what else could Rose give up? Because they thought that they had it all from Carolyn. So, yeah, Rose went to trial. She got fucked. Turford, which is Rose, was convicted of robbery and sentenced to 30 years in prison. Yikes. Stevens was also convicted of robbery and only sentenced to 10. Both have since been released. She only got 10 years. Only 10 years. So... I really tried to track them down because you know how I want to do. Did you I, Facebook? You I really want. Facebook? I really want the prisoner pen pal. I'm still pushing for it. Look, Amanda wants us murdered. <laughs> they didn't hurt anybody. They just took all their money. Amanda wants us poor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any money to steal. Have fun with that. Yeah, go ahead. Steal my shit. You're gonna get all my debt. Have fun. No. So, yeah, I did. I, I can't find them without, you know, going through one of those websites where I have to spend a lot of money. But I really wanted them to be my pen pals. So, hashtag, we need a Patreon account. <laughs> we, I do not support prison pen pals. We are going to overrule her. Do y'all hear me? We're. I can stand pretty we're getting, tough. I'm just we're getting, saying. We're getting some pen pals. We're going to find one. Avery can have pen pals. <laughs> you need to calm your ass down. <laughs> so, so I can write Avery? Sweet. I'm so excited. All right. Whatever. All Anyways, right. The end. Okay. So Aww. that was fun. That was fun. Definitely. I liked it. Okay. I like that one. Yeah. Whew. There was lots of giggles. Giggles are good. I needed giggles. Mm-hmm. You definitely needed some giggles. I so needed. I hope giggles. y'all needed some giggles. I hope we did it for you. Yeah. After last week, we we had to do something a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're on Apple Podcasts now. Yes. So what should they do? Rate and review us, please. Please. It please. helps us so much. Because okay. Shout out to Australia. Oh yeah, we have an Australian listener. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hi, whoever you are. Please don't. <laughs> that was not Australian. Please don't that insult the Australian. That, only Australian listener. Take it out. Take it out. 
We need more. Since we're new on Apple, we don't really have much of a presence on Apple. Right. So the more you guys, rate you know, and subscribe, mm-hmm. rate and review us, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Because that could help get us out a little bit further. We want to further our reach a little bit. And then maybe we can get to the point where we feel comfortable doing um, a Patreon account where we can have like extra content and stuff for you guys and maybe selling some merch. Uh, yeah. We've got some ideas in the works. So we, yeah, they're pretty concrete. Yeah. The more listeners we have, the more we can expand, the more cool shit we can bring you. There you go. Help, help me us. help you. <laughs> oh, I was going there. Help me help you. <laughs> Come on, people. Help me help you. Yeah. 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 Show me the money. All the Jerry Maguire <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Also, follow us on Facebook and oh, yeah, yeah, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> all that. Go follow us on all the stuff. All the things. Shoot us an email or a private message if you have any ideas for cases or if you have any questions or if you just want to say hello. Hump day treat suggestions. Yes, those are always good because I kind of want to. Local businesses we need to try. Yeah, we really want to keep things fresh and change it up and keep it as local as possible. Anything to treat yourself. It doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol or food. No. Yeah. Anything. If there's uh, anything we can stuff, do. Whatever. Because, yeah, if you. Whatever. Sorry. Su- no, it's okay. If you suggest something that is not an alcoholic beverage, we're going to get our own anyway. Oh, yeah. We're all, we'll probably so have okay. that unless we're <laughs> recording in the morning yeah. and taking off for New Orleans. You can bet your booty that mm-hmm. we're probably going to have an alcoholic drink. Yes. So, yeah, we love all the suggestions. We love when people talk to us. So do that. Do all the things. All the stuffs. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was episode six. Yeah. Oh, shout outs. Shout outs. Apparently you forget everything. Okay. I'm when shouting you get out to myself six. this week. I'm shouting out myself. I'm artwork done by Amanda Hagens. Yep. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Go Manders. <laughs> Go Craig Weaver. Loving our sound. Yes. Craig oh Weaver gosh. with the music. It's fabulous. It's still my favorite. And... The hubby, Stephen Goetzky, for our editing and tech stuff, all of that. Oh, and real quick, funny thing, Stephen was uh, working on the podcast the other night, and he heard me say Goetzky when I said Stephen Goetzky. Yeah. He said, you talking about me, Mama? And I said, no, I was talking about Daddy. And he (laughs) said, you're not going to say my name? So, shout out to my three-year-old. Love you, Ashton. Okay, that's it. All done. Yeah. Come back, please, after this train wreck of an ending you've gotten today. <laughs> Look, please we come had back. to cut loose. We had to cut loose at least one time. We needed it. Please come back. Yes, please. Bye. Bye, you guys.